Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this, talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Realm presents Bullet Catcher, Season 1, Episode 10. It's not a good idea, the Bullet Catcher says. He dips a cloth under the falling water and wipes the back of his neck. It's sure to get us killed. Do you have a better one? Yes, we ride. We get as far away from Las Pistolas and Nico as we possibly can. We ride until we run out of land. Maybe we'll go to the Northland, or hire a boat to take us across the ocean. For a moment, I allow myself to imagine traveling to all these places I've only read about. I can't leave, having seen what I've seen. Hartwright speaks up. Nico won't stop until he controls the whole Southland and all the water in it. Where there are people, there will always be those who seek to oppress and control them. You can't help them all. No, but we can help these people. Right here, right now. If you do what you say you want to do, you'll be helping plenty, sure. But you'll be damning others, too. Cartwright says, if we destroy the gunslinger's power over the water, it'll turn Las Pistolas into a ghost town. No water, no people, just like it was before. But the water they're stealing from these towns will go back to where it belongs, I say. We are silent. The sun has fallen over the far side of the plateau. It shines through the waterfall, lighting the cave a brilliant blue. I'm going to try to stop this with or without you. The bullet catcher cups the water in his hand. I never thought there was a cause worth dying for, he says. But maybe I was wrong. 
People should not have to pay for water with fear. He looks at me. The light sparkles brightly along his scars and wrinkles. I wasn't talking about the water, cub. Where the hell have you been? Cloak calls on me at my apartment in Las Pistolas. It's nearly midnight on the day after meeting the bullet catcher on the road and hashing out a plan with him and Hartwright to bring an end to the gunslinger's control over the water. I've washed and changed clothes, but there's nothing to be done about the deep tan I got from riding out to Table Rock. Around, I say. If you'd been round, I'd have seen you. Why are you here, Cloak? Bullet requests your presence at the practice field. Tell him I'll be there shortly. He tips his cap automatically, gives the room a final look, and descends in the elevator. I let out my breath. The man fills me with fear that's hard to hide. When I meet Nico, he looks tired and pale. The moon is nearly full and casts a hard, white light over the field. I was worried about you, he says. I went for a ride is all. He reaches into his pocket and unfolds a telegram. He looks at it a moment before reading, Table Rock Operation Ambushed. Stop. All dead. Stop. Bullet Catcher. Stop. The air freezes in my lungs. I swallow hard. It's not safe out there, he says, putting the telegram back in his pocket. The bullet catcher will try to hurt me any way he can. If he can't get to me, he'll destroy my plans. If he can't kill me, he might try to harm you. He turns to look at me for the first time. If you head off again, let me know and I'll arrange a bodyguard. I can take care of myself, I say. Having a tail would only make things difficult. I know. It's for my peace of mind. So I know you're safe, okay? Reluctantly, I nod in agreement. Okay. He lets out a deep breath. Good, he says. Good. How about we blow off some steam with a little target practice? I go through the motions, shooting at the targets, my mind on other things. My shots find homes in the centers of the targets. It's easy. But then again, I guess shooting's in my blood. When it's over, Nico claps me on the back and says, You're a born gunslinger. What can I say? You're perfect. After everything I've seen and experienced, I want to hate him. But I can't bring myself to. I'm angry, devastatingly angry at him. But looking at him now, I'm still amazed he's alive. I'm grateful that I can reach out and touch him. And I know that my anger at him is not the same thing as hate. No, I'm far from perfect. Later, we sit on the bank leading down to the field and watch the moon fall through the sky. Nico rolls a cigarette, but doesn't light it. I'm proud of you, Emma, he says. Don't be. I am. And I'm not just talking about how much progress you've made as a gunslinger. I'm talking about everything that's gone on. 
I know you don't like the conditions at the factory, to say nothing about what went on at Bad Pines. I've been thinking about it. Maybe you're right. Maybe I've grown too used to not having to compromise. He props himself up on an elbow and looks at me. In the cold light, he looks impossibly tired, so much older than he is. The moon catches the wrinkles in the corners of his eyes and shines through his hair, which is just starting to thin. I want you to know that I've given the order that the children should be taken out of the factories. Kids their age should be in school. That's good, I say. I try to make my voice cool, but I can't help it shaking. Nico sees right through me and beams his huge smile. I'm glad you're pleased, he says. It was wrong to condemn Nico as a monster. Because monsters don't change. Monsters don't try to do better. In this moment, I forgive him because I need to. Because no matter what, he's my brother and I love him. And maybe it doesn't matter what he's done. Maybe it doesn't matter what any of us have ever done, all the large and small crimes that mount up and weigh us down over a lifetime. Maybe all that matters is what we do once we know better. I think you're ready for the final gunslinger test. What kind of test? I don't know. It's supposed to be different for everybody. Usually one of the trainers at the academy decides what it'll be. On special occasions, I come up with something. But the charter states that since you're my sister, I'm supposed to keep my nose out of it. For impartiality's sake. Cloak's arranging it. I don't trust him. I know. But he's loyal. And he... He cares about me. One day you'll learn to trust him, as I have. Besides, the test is just a formality. Something to mark the occasion. When? Cloak says all will be ready in two or three days. I'll send you notice. Two or three days. That means that if we're going to go ahead with the plan, it will have to be after Nico's ceremony. There's an oasis a few hours' ride from Las Pistolas, where the bullet catcher and I arranged to meet in case anything went wrong. The bullet catcher said he'd be waiting nearby, and that he'll show if he sees me. But when I leave my apartment the next morning, I'm greeted in the lobby by a hulking gunslinger who tips his cap at me and says, Bullet told me I was supposed to take extra care nothing happens to you, ma'am. I force a smile and say, That's okay, I don't need a babysitter. I reckon that's probably true, ma'am. But if Bullet says jump... He follows me out of the building and into a buggy. I head to the saloon where I find Hartwright drinking with the rest of the old gunslingers. She gives me a nod as I enter, and I sit down with them. It's not long before my bodyguard has joined in the drinking. And it's not much longer after that that he's passed out at the table. The danger of trying to keep pace with these old dogs who have snake bite running through their veins. I'm headed to the meeting spot, I whisper in her ear. We have to delay. I ride out of Las Pistolas, pushing No Name as hard as she'll go. There doesn't seem to be anyone following, and there are few places to hide in the desert. 
When I arrive at the oasis, I dismount and lead No Name to the water where she drinks thirstily. I sit under one of the small trees for shade and wait. And wait. But the bullet catcher never shows. The only signs of life are the buzzards circling overhead. Over the course of the day, I grow more and more fearful. Where is the bullet catcher? How else can I tell him we have to delay? What'll happen to us all if we're found out? And what will happen to people like those in Bad Pines and Table Rock all over the Southland if we fail? When night falls, I climb back on No Name and hurry back to Las Pistolas. The fear sits in my stomach like a stone. When I return home, there's a messenger waiting for me. He hands me two notes. The first is from Cloak, informing me that the test is set for tomorrow night. The second is from Nico. It reads, good luck. I try to sleep, but as tired as I am, the fear keeps me up. I bathe, thinking it might help, but I can't stand the feeling of the water on my skin. I try to read, but can't understand the words. My mind is a knot. Morning comes like a spotlight. Night falls like a curtain. In my apartment, I sit on the edge of my bed, watching the sun set through the window. When it disappears, I gather up my belt and guns, strap them on, and head out to the field, where Cloak told me the test would be. Please, bullet catcher, no better than to come here tonight. Torches line the streets, lighting up the facades and elevated boardwalks like the corridor of a nightmare and leading the way to the field. As if in a dream, I walk farther down the passage, fearful of what may lie at the end, but unable to turn and run away. The entire town has turned up at the field to see Bullet's sister take her final test. Families of gunslingers and townsfolk sit on the dunes surrounding the field on picnic blankets. Younglings flash toy shooters at their friends and yell, Bang! You're dead! I shot you! Their friends call back, No, you didn't! I can't help but think who these younglings will be one day, when they carry real guns, fire real bullets, kill real people. Someone calls out that I'm coming, and the crowd parts as I approach. Everyone stops what they're doing to look at me. Nico stands in the middle of the field, and when I walk out to meet him, the crowd closes closer around. My gun belt hangs loosely around my waist. My guns, cleaned and polished, wait in my holsters, the straps unbuttoned. The chambers are full. My reloaders are prepped. The night air is as cold as the day was hot. There are no stars in the sky. In my mind, I'm prepared for anything. I want nothing but to get this over with. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell. 
but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Nico raises his hand. Everyone falls silent. Today, he calls to the crowd, Emma becomes a gunslinger. The crowd erupts. It goes crazy. They hoot and holler and stamp their feet, making the ground rumble. Nico raises his hand again, commanding silence. He waits a beat. The crowd holds its breath, a thousand tomato-red faces looking ready to explode. Nico lowers his hand and shouts, Let the test begin! The crowd explodes again, even louder than before. Guns shoot wildly into the air. Nico whispers in my ear, I'm so happy for you. As though the test is already over. And he stands aside, his arms crossed. The crowd parts to let Cloak through. His gun is drawn in his left hand, and with the other, he pulls along a figure, hands bound behind his back, face hooded in a canvas bag. A few feet away from me, Cloak stops and kicks the back of the hooded man's legs, forcing him to his knees. He pulls off the hood. The bullet catcher's face is pale. His eyes and cheeks are swollen and bruised. He wheezes when he breathes, probably from cracked ribs. I rush to him, kneeling down to hold up his slumping figure. I cup his cheek in my hand and he looks up into my eyes. His face is calm, giving away nothing. When I look at Nico, he looks as shocked as I am. What, what is this? He stutters. This is her test. Cloak says, pulling down the handkerchief from over his mouth, smiling thinly. This is not what we talked about. No, an opportunity presented itself. We caught him at the oasis outside of town. He flashes me a knowing look. This is the best test of her loyalty. Nico grimaces in a way that pulls his face tight making him look terrifying and sad in the flickering torchlight. Listen to me this once, Cloak says softly so the crowd can't hear. He rests his palm intimately on Nico's chest, 
Nico says nothing. Cloak turns to me. You must choose, Emma. Show your brother where your loyalty lies. Do this and there will be no more distrust, no more suspicion. You will be a gunslinger. Nico's face slackens. He looks at Cloak and then at me. He says, I'm sorry, Emma. I know this will be hard, but Cloak is right. The test is simple, Cloak says. All you have to do is take out your gun and put a bullet in the bullet catcher. He won't be untied. You don't have to fear him using his powers. I search for help in Nico, but he won't meet my eyes. The bullet catcher is still in my arms. I don't want to let him go. To do so would mean his death. Cloak crouches in front of me, staring straight into my eyes. What I expect to find in his depthless gray eyes is arrogance, deceit. But his look is earnest and mad. One day, Cloak says, when this is all over, barely even a memory, we'll all be sitting together, you and me and Nico, and you'll understand that I did this for both of you. One day, you'll thank me. He rises and moves to stand beside Nico. He whispers something in his ear and Nico closes his eyes and nods. I look into the bully catcher's scarred, battered face. Think. Hellfire, just think. I could shoot the bullet catcher, become a gunslinger, take my place by my brother's side, become complicit in the things he does. I love Nico and I know he loves me, but I don't want to be like him. I will never be like him. I could shoot Cloak, but then I'd get gunned down by the mob of gunslingers. Turn the gun on myself? That would seem to solve a lot of problems. Is it selfish that I don't want to die? But killing myself wouldn't solve anything anyway. They'd send the bullet catcher into the darkness right after me. Time stands still. Everyone waits. Slowly, I let go of the bullet catcher and rise to my feet. He doesn't take his eyes off me. His face is the calm center of a storm. My hand moves on its own sliding my gun from its holster. I hold it in both hands, feeling its weight. The crowd stirs impatiently. The bullet catcher looks up at me without judgment, as if he's the one making the test, and I know he'd be willing to sacrifice himself for me. I know that if it meant him dying so I could go on living, he'd do it. Would I do the same for him? I swallow hard and pull back the hammer. The mob holds its breath. You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 1 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Anna Sheridan. New York Times bestselling author of Supernatural Horror. Missing for nearly six months now. That's not possible. Is the compass broken? Or did I Given the circumstances of her disappearance, someone with a more vivid imagination might decide she'd 
pierce the veil, so to speak. Weak radio signal. 700 meters. Closing fast. There's no place for ghost stories and close encounters in this investigation, or any other. I need you to find me. What else would it be? The Shared Tapes, a serialized horror mystery podcast. Stream the complete series today on Realm and on all podcasting platforms. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Lydia Shama. And executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Performed by Inez Del Castillo. Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona. <laughs>